Hello and welcome to Real Matters of the Heart, where we say life is all about chances and you determine how many you take, but not how many you get. I am Joy, your host, and today is a special, special day as I am sitting in the chair right now as I talk with Dr. Carey at Mahogany Hair Revolution, and I am about to start my lock process. I'm so excited about this. I'm so honored to have Carrie, a great friend of mine, a beautiful woman, but more importantly, one of the best in the game to do this natural hair thing. I'm honored to have her be the one doing it. And so I decided to just kind of record this process. Um, in addition to her telling me about the locking process, I'm sure we're going to talk about some other juicy things too. So um, I'm delighted to have you guys come along. And so the first thing I want to have Carrie do is introduce herself and tell a little bit about uh, the Mahogany Hair Revolution movement. And then also um, kind of answer a couple of questions about uh, the locking process. I mean, this is this is it for me. And um, I know there are a lot of people who consider it and have questions and have even sometimes are a little bit uh, apprehensive about it because it can feel like such a permanent thing. So um, I'm happy to have her kind of talk me through this and everything else that's going to happen today. So Carrie, how are you, boo? I'm doing well. I'm so excited to bring you to the lock side. <laughs> she always tells me, welcome to the lock side. Yes, we are trying to lock the world one head at a time. <laughs> but as Joyce said, I am the founder and CEO of Mahogany Hair Revolution. We're an all-natural hair care studio here in Los Angeles. We're actually the only all-natural hair care studio, meaning that we do not do any chemical straightening or heat styling. The most heat you are going to get on your head in here is a blow dryer, and that's going to be on medium heat, okay? I heard that. So we're all just Preserve about, them edges, baby. We are trying to preserve the edges, and we're really just trying to help women celebrate their hair and keep it healthy. My background is in trichology, which is a, the scientific study of hair and scalp disorders, and so everything that I do is to promote the health of anyone who comes to the salon, their hair and scalp, no matter... Your race, ethnicity, cultural background. That's what I bet y'all didn't know. I bet y'all didn't know. First of all, her name is Dr. Carrie Williams. I bet y'all didn't know somebody could be a doctor of hair. Y'all didn't know that. Didn't Don't know. act like you knew that. No, they didn't know. <laughs> I still get it. People be like, huh? What's that? Psychology? <laughs> Not you psychology. In my, you in my head? I'm in, I'm in your head, too. The outside, though. Right. I'll be getting in the well, head on the inside. I was getting ready to say, I know you do, because that salon, Cause we that be, salon uh, therapy is the truth. We be in here for <laughs> five, six, seven, eight, nine hours sometimes. <laughs> I know your whole life. Listen, I've been in here before with, for that, for that five, six, seven, eight, nine. Mm -hmm. So I know what it is. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, so um, I'm very excited to have Joy here, and she's one of my very, very good special friends, and I'm just so happy to be a part of this journey with her. And the revolution really, you know, our motto is revolution begins one head at a time. And I just feel like it's wonderful that there are so many women who are now seeing their natural hair as an option of just to wear. That it's not just vacation hair, that it's life hair. This yeah. is just my life. This is just who I am. I can be corporate. I can go on vacation. I just love how so many women in Hollywood demonstrated that at the most recent BET Awards on the red carpet. There were so many beautiful women who were showing us that they can get back from vacation, throw on that formal gown, and serve it to you all the way and still be gorgeous. And so that's what we're here to do is we're here to revolutionize the concept of beauty, especially for black women, one head at a time. So if you're out there listening, come join this movement. Come join this revolution. Come get your hair did. Get your hair at mahogany. Did. Hey, and I also want to just say, as she mentioned the BET Awards, she tried to be casually throwing that in there. And I know she wants to be modest. But I want to tell you that most of the women you saw on the red carpet at the BET Awards rocking a natural look came and got them edges snatched back <laughs> by Miss Carrie herself. So don't get it twisted. She's out here in these streets really doing it. And I, like I said, I'm so honored and, and I feel privileged to be able to sit in the chair and, and know that I'm beginning my journey. Um, not only with a special friend, but somebody who I know is going to take care of my hair because I do intend to have my locks for a very long time, if not for life. And so I want to make sure that they are being done the right way and they're going to be healthy and they're going to be beautiful and they're going to be versatile. Because if you do know me, everybody that I said I was locking my hair to, they like, okay, you ain't locking a damn thing. And it's because they know I change my hair a lot. I cut it. I color it. I do all these things. And so, like I said, locks a lot of times feel very permanent to people. 
but they are very versatile. I can style them. I can still color them. I can still cut them into different shapes and all that kind of stuff. And I got rollers in my hair. She right got now. rollers in right now, but she's gonna be fly when they come out, though. <laughs> be real fly. She's gonna be fly, and it's no heat, so she gets to have that beautiful, curly, full, vol voluminous, bouncy look with no damaging heat. And like, that's real. That's that's, that's huge, real. and so that's great. There's another thing that you um, mentioned. You said you are doing the revolution one head at a time. And I think going back to kind of what we said earlier about it being not just a hairstyle that you're getting when you come in here, but a lot of times you're you're kind of working out your life stuff too. And you really are getting your head right. Like them follicles and them brain cells. Right? Like you're getting them right. And so I also want to say that if you do decide to, to do the natural thing and you want to come and see Carrie, just expect that you're going to get a whole the whole kid and caboodle, right? Because she is a woman of God. She's a very um, smart woman, very wise woman, but also just very down to earth. And so you can feel comfortable and connected to just another black woman who's out here living. And whatever, whatever that means, to be an entrepreneur, to be, you know, dating, to be all of those things, you know, that we're doing as young black women out here. So absolutely, um, I would say... Just be prepared for an experience. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's an experience. And, and again, that's why I, I knew as soon as I decided it was time, I was like, Carrie? Yeah. Also, I called all the way back in April because I already knew what it was. <laughs> Today is July 1st, but I called back in April like, bro, I'm going to need this appointment because Carrie be out in these streets <laughs> and you're not getting ready to make me to wait till Christmas. <laughs> so I'm going to make my appointment now. And I've been counting down and I've been stalking people on Instagram. Uh, I don't I don't know no name so I can't shout y'all out. I'll come back to that. But I've been stalking, getting <laughs> getting my pictures right, getting my hair inspiration photos <laughs> ready so right. I can know exactly what I want to do. So I'm super, super excited. So there was one thing um that when we first got started, she said to me that I want to kind of run back so yeah, for anybody who may be listening considering the log journey. And we talked about like the size and the you know, the sectioning and the parting and all the things that we want to do. And she kinda talked me through what I can expect. Which I think is very important because you, there's so many stories and there's so many different ways and methods of locking and everybody's hair journey is different, everybody's texture is different, you know, everybody's going to have a different experience. But she talked a little bit about what, what I can expect, so I want to kind of have her run that back for anybody who might be considering it. Yeah, so the technique that I predominantly use when starting locks for my clients is the interlocking method. I know traditionally a lot of people start their locks with the twist and that was a method that we all knew. Um, and with the twisting, some people call it comb coils or single strand twist. What that would allow the hair to do is it would form a cylinder shape and then you go, you know, sometimes months without shampooing the hair or not combing it so that the hair could mat. But with that particular process, the hair is matting around pockets of dirt, pretty much, and mm. buildup in no. the hair. We don't want that. We don't want that. And so with the interlocking method, what it does is it immediately locks the hair in. It's great, especially if you have a looser curl pattern or finer hair textures, because you can lock the hair in immediately. And most importantly, you get to keep your hair and scalp clean. So as soon as I install these locks in Miss Joy Joy's hair... You know, she can go jump in the pool. We can get back on my swim lessons, you know. Yes, be a back on the swim lessons. You know what I'm saying? Because I can't be drowning in these streets. No. So. Can't be drowning, drowning in the streets. That, that's deep. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so um, when it comes to getting your hair locked, I think it's important that you have an idea of the size of the lock. The size of the lock, especially when interlocking, is really based on the part or what I call the base. Now, the base is the section of hair that is um, brought together to create your lock. And what people have to realize is that base from jump is the most important thing. If your base is too small, one thing about locks, locks, as they get longer, they get heavier. Okay? They gain weight. Locks are an accumulation of shed hair. So the hair that typically sheds out daily when your hair is loose, it ain't shedding out no more. It's accumulating in the lock, and so the lock gets heavier. So that base is important because if the base is too small, that's when people start to experience that phenomenon of locks marrying together or marrying them together to keep the base strong. So I was explaining to Joy that I'm going to make sure that her base is big enough and strong enough to handle the weight of the lock, but most importantly, it's going to determine the size of her lock. When you first install locks, especially with the interlocking method, it looks like a small round braid. And oftentimes, because people, they see mature locks, they think like, oh, I'm about to start these locks and my locks are going to look just like yours. And for everybody who's listening, I've been locking my hair for eight years, okay? 
people think I can't like, get that eight year look on day right, one. That ain't like, how that go. Damn, is that me. not life though? Is that not life? Is that not the reason why so many people don't pursue certain things because they want to start at the top? Like they want to start off as Diddy. Or they want to start off as Jay-Z or as Beyonce. Right. Like, do you understand there was a process? And, a process. and again, okay. Beyonce can say all the time she woke up like this, but she didn't. She didn't. She did not wake up like this. She 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 started when she was whatever, 15 years old, 16 years old. Getting rejected. She in her 30s. She didn't. Now she like this. Right. She ain't wake up like this. So don't get it twisted. Y'all got to put in that work. Got to go through them stages and them phases. Mm-hmm. Process is a, a, progress is a process, right? Progress is a process. <clears throat> For real. Yeah. So, yeah. So, all that to say, when you first get the locks installed, you know, people, you, you, you get so caught up in looking at your photo, you like, bam, my hair is going to look like hers, and we're rolling. And, you know, I just wanted to make sure I <laughs> talked to my friend to set the realistic expectation that um, it ain't going to really look <laughs> the way you think it's going to look. Yeah, you um, guys, it's, it's, you guys going to take some time. And I'm with it. Like it's I said, I've been stalking people. And what I've learned through my stalking is that, first of all, it's very a very unique process. And everybody's hair journey is very different. And everybody's end game, wherever they end up after their locks are mature, is very different. But the common theme and thread amongst all the stories that I've read is patience. Everyone has said, you have got to be patient in this process. And again, we talk about you know the revolution being one head at a time. I believe that patience is a huge, you know, we hear that patience is a virtue, and that's a huge part of, of life, particularly the world we live in now where everything is microwave, high-speed internet, one-click, touch of the button. Everything, you know, happens at, the, at your fingertips right away. To be able to intentionally and consciously approach a journey that's going to require you to really just wait, and there's nothing you can do about it. There's no product you can use. There's no technique you can use there's there's nothing the only thing that's going to mature your lock process and then a lot of other processes in your life is time that's it and that's all it ain't no other formula and they ain't no other way around it and so i'm excited to be approaching intentionally and consciously and with um, a purpose this particular journey that is going to require me to pump my brakes and say, you know what? You don't run it, boo. This hair is going to do what it's going to do, and you either going to like it or you ain't. It's such an awesome metaphor for life. I love how you just drew drew that parallel because it's so true. And I think it's really, really great for anyone who struggles with patience or, you know, that instant gratification. It truly is a reminder when you go through this live process, like, like Joy said, like everything is actually a process. There is no instant loss. There is no instant gratification. There is no instant success. You know, you always see the glory, but you don't know the story. Right. And so many people immediately want the glory, but you don't want to go through the pains and the struggles and the trials and tribulation that it takes to get there. So, mm-hmm. yes, this lock journey is amazing. That's why the whole world needs to lock it on up. <laughs> and I think, you know, what What else um, I'm hearing as we're just talking about it is also th- this part of acceptance, self-acceptance. Because there's a part of you that's going to have to decide that I love me and I think of myself as beautiful in spite of the fact that my hair might be doing something real crazy right now. Because I've heard, again, the different stories about people going through what some people call the ugly phase. I've not lived through it, but I would prefer not to call it that. Even if I look in the mirror and it's not my favorable, favorite thing that I've ever seen. I don't want to call it the ugly phase. I just think it's a part of the process. I'm really, I've really been on this kick right now recently where I've just been saying, you know what? You are who you are until you're not anymore. Mm. And it's easy to get older, learn some things, experience some things, become more wise and all that, and then look back at things and decisions you've made in the past. And if I would have known what I know now, or I wish I would have done it like this, and begin to kind of regret or resent certain things that you've been through or experienced or decisions you've made. But really, we have to learn to honor our past selves by saying you know what at the time I made that decision I did that thing that was the best thing I knew to do at that time and you know I don't think anyone purposely makes decisions that are going to be harmful to themselves I think even if they acknowledge that there could be a harmful element they feel like in spite of that this is my best or only option Mm -hmm. so in this process even in going through that phase where you look at yourself and maybe the hair isn't doing what you wanted to do or what you thought it was going to do or looking or however you wished it would look or whatever 
you begin to say, you know what, this is a part of it, though, and you look forward to what you know it will be when they mature, when they grow, when you do get the look that you intended to have or whatever that is. And I think it's important to even draw that parallel, you yeah. know, to, to take this opportunity to go through that phase, the uncomfortable phase that we all have, whether it's in your career, your relationships or your finances or your health or whatever that is, go through that uncomfortable phase knowing there's another side. Honoring it, knowing that whatever you get from it, however you grow from it, whatever strength you gain, whatever wisdom, whatever knowledge is going to be necessary to carry you into whatever your next season is. You know what? What I love, what I'm hearing as you're saying that, it's also with the metaphor of this whole lot process. And like you said, going through the journey, you know, the phases, even the uncomfortable phases, the phase that you may not like that much. Mm -hmm. It's the guarantee right. that you know, though. That they will turn into locks. Right. So there's no uncertainty that at the end of this journey, my hair won't lock. Right. You have a guarantee that regardless of what you fill in, in a matter of time, and everybody's time is different. Mm -hmm. But in a matter of time, your hair will lock and you will be able to experience the full glory of locks. That is also life. Yes. And it's life because God promises us and gives us a Romans 8.28 guarantee. Come on with my favorite. That all things work together. So no matter what it feels like, looks like, seems like, there's a guarantee at the end that it's going to be good. It's going to be for my good. It's going to be for my benefit so that you can rest in it. And so I think I just love this whole metaphor, this lock metaphor, because it is truly a reflection of what we also go through. Right, because you and spoke... a reminder. Exactly. You spoke earlier about the importance of the base and the size of that um, and how that determines the size of the lock and the strength of the lock as the locks grow longer and get heavier, right? And so that's the mm -hmm. same thing. As uncomfortable as it may look when you're in those earlier phases, you have to go through that to ensure that when you get to the beauty of what it oh, is that you oh, want, Bobby. you have developed everything you need in those beginning stages to be able to handle it. Mm -hmm. You got to be able no, to get that base. I'm, I'm talking sorry. about, come on, you want to run around this salon real quick? Real I'm quick. talking about, get the organs out. <laughs> get the Tambourine. organs out and get it popping. <laughs> so, you know, it's just it's just all of that. So that that's why I think I'm excited. You know, I had a plan, right? So I got my, I got my hair cut for the last time, right before my birthday at the end of last year, at the end of November. And uh, I decided then, I said, okay, this is my last haircut. I'm going to let my hair grow out for a year. And then right before my birthday, at the end of this year, I was going to start my lock process. But it was, So I had this plan. I was going to let my hair grow out. I've been wearing it really short for a long time, and I hadn't really seen my hair in a while. And so I was excited to see what my natural hair was doing and play with some different styles and do all that. And I literally just woke up one day in April, a couple months ago, with this resolve. Like, I literally opened my eyes and woke up with this resolve, like, it's time for me to start now. Mm. And as much as I had this plan to start at the end of the year, right before my birthday, and I had this whole idea about, oh, it's going to be so great. And, you know, kind of like, you know, you just get reflective around your birthday anyway. And it's a milestone birthday for me. So I was like, oh, thinking it just made the most sense perfectly. I literally woke up one day like, no, it's time. Mm -hmm. It's time. And that's profound for me because I tried to start locking my hair in 2005. I had gone to get a consultation. The, lo the lady had done like a... I don't know, I guess like a trial lock or something. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. She had like twisted my little hair up. And at the time I had long hair. So all of these things. And I tried to start then. And what ultimately ended up happening was I had gotten a job that carried me to New York. But I was going to be in upstate New York in like the mountains working at a lake. And one, I know nothing about going to get my hair done up there. But two, working at a lake every day, being in and out of the water, I just wasn't sure about the process. Because similar to what Carrie said earlier, this other style or this other method she was going to use would have required me to not wash my hair for a while. And if I'm getting in and out of this I'm lake, right, you're getting in the yeah, that, that ain't going to work. You know, and so anyway, I didn't start then. And I was a little bit bummed and disappointed. And then shortly thereafter, um, that job was over. I came back to L.A. and I cut my hair. And I've been wearing it short ever since. So my hair's been short for 10 years. But I'm bringing that story up to say, when I woke up in April with this resolve that I just said it was time, I didn't have that back then. Back then, I was just making a decision because I liked the style and I was going to do it and I was whatever. But this time, I think that for what the actual journey is going to bring with this building up of my patience and with me walking through the process and the, what I'm understanding about how it parallels life, I think it is time. 
it's much more time than it was when I decided when I was, you know, 10 years ago, just because it was cute. Right, right. It's a whole different thing. And a lot of what I've learned, too, from my stalking <laughs> is that it is very much a journey of self. Mm-hmm. Um if you allow it to be, if you tune in and tap into that, it's very much a journey of self. And I would hate to have missed that part of it because I was simply just doing something that I thought was cute. Yeah. And not, that's no shade to the people who do because they think it's cute because it is. It's jamming. It's, it's a fly ass style. I can't wait till mine's grow out and I'm just out here flicking Go and flopping and just, you ain't, yes. y'all ain't going to be ready yet. Y'all not going to be ready. I already know. But, <laughs> but. I would hate to have, in the space that I'm in now, the emotional space, the spiritual space that I'm in now, I would hate to have missed that part of it because I was rushed through to get to just the cute style phase. So I'm, I'm really, really excited about what this is getting ready to be. And, and I don't even really know what that is. I don't even really know what that is because I, Carrie can tell you right now, she in this head and I got about 17 different kind of textures. So I don't know what it's getting ready to do. You're back here dealing with uh, <laughs> Slave Master. <laughs> <laughs> we got a little bit of the piece where Slave Master got on in there. Right. And then we got a little bit of the piece that's that straight out of Africa. That right now. <laughs> so we got a little bit of everything. And I got some curls and some coils and some loose ways and some straight bits and some. It's all over the place. So I really, as much as I don't know what it's getting ready to be, I'm excited about what it's getting ready to be. And that's. That's a good place to be, I would say, in life. To yeah. be uncertain but still be able to have peace because mm-hmm. that ain't nothing but God. That's God, right. That ain't nothing but God when you can be so uncertain about a thing yet face it with this clarity and peace that says, whatever it's getting ready to be, I'm ready. I'm ready. That's huge. That's huge because that unsettled feeling of uncertainty and, and not you know lacking readiness is what stops people from doing a lot of things. It, it paralyzes people and that fear can lock you down and you don't move forward in a lot of things because that uncertainty can, can make you feel um, a number of ways that stop you from doing a lot of things in this life. So I'm excited to be in a place where I can be uncertain but still willing. And so I kind of wanted to double back. Um, you mentioned something earlier about the women who are wearing their hair on the red carpet and then just talking about how natural hair is also becoming a little bit more acceptable, even just in corporate America. And I remember having a conversation. I've talked about this in one of my other projects in a video that I did, but uh, I'm going to talk about it here a little bit, where I was having a conversation um, where there was a meme about, you know, if... We can't be mad at white women for wearing their hair in, you know, stereotypically or typically African or black styles, braids, cornrows that they're now trying to call the boxer braids and all the other mess. Um, you know, it, we can't be mad at them um, for wearing their hair like that if we wear our hair in weaves. And, of course, this is a point that I've made before, and the difference is that, you know, it's one thing, appropriation is one thing, assimilation is a completely different one. And I'm not at all saying, I'll reiterate, that every woman who wears her hair in a weave is necessarily trying to be, you know, white. Because maybe it's just convenient. Maybe you work out or maybe, you know, whatever you're trying to do. Some people wear them for protective styles. There's all these different reasons. But we also know that largely in corporate America and other settings, the straighter, more European style of hair is what's more widely accepted or noted as beautiful. And there are a lot of women who do wear their hair in those styles because they are trying to assimilate. And that is not at all the same as, nor can it be compared to, white women who wear their hair in bantu knots or Mm. these other styles and then try to make them high fashion and all these other things, which they can be, but don't at all acknowledge that there is African roots there. Right. And so that makes me angry. And so in this conversation that I was having, there was a white woman who was there and she happens to work, I guess, as an executive within her company where she has a lot to do or a large hand in the hiring process. And she was going on and on about how it's unfair to assume that black women have um, experienced more adversity in corporate America due to hairstyles alone and suggesting perhaps, I guess, that maybe black women are not being hired because they're just unqualified and that hair has less to do with it. And I really had to beg to differ. Now, I've never worked in corporate America, so I've never experienced this firsthand, but I've seen it and I know what is true. So she kept going on and on talking about what she hires and she loves the natural look. And the point I had to make for her was, I said, when the white women come into your company and they have their hair 
whatever is doing, however it grows out of their scalp. Right. You don't call their hair the natural look. Right. You call it hair. You don't tell the white woman who comes with blonde hair cascading down her back, oh, I love your natural hair look. No. It's just hair. So why, if I come into the office with my hair exactly the way it grows out of my scalp, do you have to tell me you love my natural hair look? Why can't you just like my hair? And so even when we're talking about the exception or, you know, even when we're talking about natural hair being more widely accepted on red carpets and in corporate areas and in other settings, there's still some work to be done. A lot of work. Like, you, do you, I'm sure you hear stories from your clients who maybe come in and, we, you know, we always get the, can I touch it? Or mm -hmm. is that your real hair? And all these other questions. And there's a lot of identity attached to our hairstyles. And there's a lot of culture and history attached to our hairstyles. So to try to minimize that or um, to kind of take that away from us really is much deeper than just a style you wear your hair in. Right. Would you agree with that? Like, what, have you heard stories about women who have experiences where maybe they do work in corporate settings and they have a pushback from their boss or coworkers where they get that strange look when they come in with their coils curled tightly or things like that? Yeah, definitely. I actually can recall a conversation with a client of mine who, when I was helping her transition to her natural hair, and she is completely natural, how unfortunately, in her particular case, the pushback or criticism she received wasn't from her... African-American count, I mean, it wasn't from her white counterparts, it was from her African-American counterparts, where actually one of her black co-workers, female co-workers, approached her after she wore her hair in her natural twist the first day after getting it done and said, you look more competent with your hair straight. Literally use the word competent. Wow. Right. So. Really? Yes. So I think on one end, yes, there is this European standard, of course, like you said, that we ascribe to whether subconsciously or consciously because of the standard that has been placed in society when it comes to corporate America and those type of business settings. But I feel like, unfortunately, as well, there's so many black and African-American women who they, too, are the way that they're thought, the way that they're thinking, their thought process is so steeped in that ideology mm -hmm. that they reinforce it when in some scenarios, it's our white counterparts who are fascinated, who celebrate it, who are curious about it right. and aren't discriminating right. or discriminatory, but it's our black counterparts who are critiquing and criticizing and become even more subconscious about it to the point where they're like... Projecting. Projecting like, girl, yeah. Yeah. you need to put your weave or your wig back on because <laughs> right. you're making us all look bad up in here. Yeah, and I think fascinating is a great word to use when you're talking about our <laughs> white counterparts because they do, they really are like... Um, even as I'm locking my hair, a lot of people who know me, they're like, you change your hair so much, I can't believe you're going to do it because, again, they seem so permanent. And they're aware of how much I change my hair. And because I do that, a lot of my clients, who many of them are white, will, when I come in with different styles, they're like, how do you do it? You change your hair every week. And mm -hmm. how does it stay like that? And I wish I could do those things. And my hair only basically does this one thing. Like, I go and get it cut, and I get it colored, right. and this is my style. Right. And until I change the cut, where I have to literally, like, you know, cut my hair or do something I can't there is not as simple as you know using a product to style it in this way or you know from one day to the next like it's literally a process right so I think fascinated is a great word because it can see be sometimes offensive when there's the you know can you can you touch my hair or you know all those things it can sometimes come off as offensive or be annoying but we do have to remember that it is very um different and fascinating for them. Now, I want to ask you this. Did you hear about uh, Dr. Steve Perry in partnership with uh, Steve Harvey's National Mentoring Camp for Young Men? Um, apparently had a couple hundred boys cut their hair. And so Dr. Steve Perry tweeted and said, I witnessed 200 boys voluntarily in caps, in all caps, cut dreads, braids, and unkept froze because Steve Harvey and the U.S. Army connected aesthetics to success. And it was powerful, he said. And he got a lot of pushback for that. So what, what do you think about that? Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is it definitely ascribes to this old school notion of, you know, grooming and how, we're, how we groom ourselves being connected to this, connected to success, which, again, I believe is tied into this ideology mm -hmm. of whiteness. And I say right. that because I think about my own father. As soon as you read that, I think about my father talking to one of my ex-boyfriends and telling him, if you're going to be in sales, you need to cut all the hair off your face. You need to wear your hair cut short. 
And he definitely connected it to the stereotype of if you go into a place and you're trying to sell and you want to sell to white people, if you have a goatee or any hair on your face, they're going to think that you are a thug or they're going to have this perception of you. So Mm -hmm. he was encouraging my ex-boyfriend, you need to have a clean face and you need to have short hair in order to do that. And, you know, my father's 60 years old, so I feel like he definitely comes from that frame of thinking. And was he in the military? Was your father My father was not in the military. Okay. He's just been in sales his whole life. Okay. And so just in interacting in different circles amongst different ethnic groups and predominantly walk, working with and selling to white people, um, this is what he was sharing with one of my exes as far as like trying to mentor him and prepare him to go into the sales world. And, again, I think it's definitely connected to this ideology of whiteness and what is perceived as acceptable and unacceptable it makes me also think about, you know, I'm a woman, but I have locks. And, you know, we're mm-hmm. doing locks. And I think about just two years ago when I was starting my product line, my chemist is a black man, again, um, you know, in his 60s, mm-hmm. mid-60s, maybe almost 70s. And I remember when he first met me, he straight up told me that I was going to have to cut my hair if I wanted my product line to be successful. And I didn't, I actually wasn't offended by it because he went on to say, he, he really started to use his own experiences as a justification as to why, talking about when he was trying to sell his product and his perception, you know, the perception of people, of him as a black man and all these things and what people think about locks being dirty and all these things. And so mm-hmm. I knew he was coming from an old school frame of thought. When he was talking to me, he didn't mean any harm. He wasn't trying to offend me. He was genuinely feeling like he was trying to protect me and give me a good word, like, look, this is what you need to do to be successful. And I just respectfully responded to him that, my hair was going to have nothing to do with my success. And I was, I'm living proof that it doesn't, but. And it's about this like pathologizing of black people in general and connecting everything that we do to some kind of inferior, unsuccessful, kind of like Who you unex- are unacceptable. Enough. Yeah. Right. And what, like how many more times are we going to do that? How many more ways are we going to do that before we realize that that just isn't true? Right. Like what I what kind of hairstyle I have has nothing to do with my ability to complete a job. So if you can't look at my application or my resume and my history and my experience and say this person is qualified for this particular thing, regardless of what kind of hair I have. Now I do understand having a well kept look, meaning showing a professional. I'm, I'm not going to just say roll out of the bed with your pajamas and show up right, to work right, looking right. crazy and expect people to be like, oh, but they're good at what they do. Right, like right, there right. is a certain element of presentability, but at what point do we draw the line between, you know what, you need to be presentable, but I also need to accept that your presentable isn't going to be the same as mine because your texture of hair is different, your skin is different, your whatever is different. And so, whatever, you know, acceptable looks like to me or for me. It's not going to necessarily align with. So, yeah, that doesn't mean you can't show up with, you know, a James Harden beard all the way down, you know. But if you got a goatee, what does, I mean, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Now, it's something different. Like, I have a client who was telling me that she had to tell one of her staff members that her personal hygiene wasn't up to par. Mm. Now, that's very different. Now, this, though, her staff member is a white woman who was showing up, I guess, looking aesthetically pleasing, but clearly doing just the minimum to be presentable. But if she walked by you too fast, you (laughs) might damn pass out. Because she wasn't, you know, washing her hair enough, washing her body enough, and she had an odor. So, but because she looks so, if I can send a picture of myself attached to my resume and I look cool, then you're going to hire me not knowing I'm going to come into this office and be funk it up to be damned. So what are we going to do about that? But we're not going to, you know, ascribe that to, you know, oh, when your hair is past a certain length as a white woman, it stinks. No, that was a personal thing about her and her lack of, you know, hygienic routine or whatever that was. But it wasn't something that was widely now gone, okay, well, now that we've experienced this thing or now that this has been whatever, every woman with hair beyond their shoulders is is unkempt and therefore unprofessional and 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 not able to do their job to a particular, you know, standard right, of excellence. Right. Like that just and it pissed me off and I'm glad that it pissed enough people off that there was lots of backlash about it because we're no longer willing to accept this idea that how we show up as we are will always be the reason for our uh, lack of success like you're going to continually blame our blackness beyond whatever we can do however educated however much experience whatever we know beyond that 
it is always going to be that our blackness is the reason why we are not enough. Mm-hmm. How many more ways are we going to tell that story? How many more ways are we going to accept that story? Because there are a lot of people who do. Dr. C. Perry is a black man tweeting this, talking about how powerful it was to see 200 boys cutting their hair because Steve Harvey and the Army, the U.S. Army, which we know okay. is known, got right. a, a damn thing to do with black men. The one that did the standard for women, telling them they braids got to be so many inches uh, apart and so many... What is It's ridiculous. Like, they, right. like, the U.S., anything U.S. ain't never been built for us. Let's start there. Come so, on, you so talk far. about the U.S. Army partnering with this man, telling him, let's, first of all, let's talk about Steve Harvey. Because he was he had a mini fro for a long time. For a very long time. Before he got went bald. And then it never stopped him from telling a joke and being funny and Kings of Comedy and the TV show that he had and every other project that he worked on. So for him, the irony of that, to have started his career with a mini afro, I mean, it was always picked out to a T. I will give him that. But he absolutely had a mini afro flat top situation. That never stopped him from doing all the things that he did before he decided to go bald. And I don't know how much of him deciding to go bald had anything to do with he felt like that was going to, you know, heighten his opportunities. But he still got that thick-ass mustache. Right. And ain't nobody telling him to shave his face so he can get on his show and get on his radio and write his books and do his movies. It has not stopped him. So how can you have ascended to these heights as successful as you've become with all the things that you have done with your mini tapered fro and your thick mustache then turn around and tell a bunch of young black, young black boys behind you that, oh, I did it, but you can't, though. You need to cut yours. Right. Like, how you look? Right. So I just, we have a long, long way to go i'm so excited about seeing you know i remember a couple years ago driving down crenshaw and like every stoplight there was a different kind of braid style or lock style or afro and curls and maybe you could have been i don't know we be rolling yeah we be rolling we be in these streets okay (laughs) but but i remember just having a moment to myself and i just just kind of smiling and just saying you know what i'm so happy to see us out here being us And being cool with being us. It ain't, you know, no jokes and all that. I mean, some people still got trifling shit to say, and that's just where their mind is, and we got to love them for it. Keep praying, y'all. But for the most part, it's becoming much more widely accepted, and I just, that makes me very, very excited. So I kind of want to shift gears again and kind of get back to what we were talking about earlier with the, the styling and the methods of locking and all of that. So as we alluded to earlier, I have multiple hair textures. And so now she didn't got to this back of the hair, whereas uh, we talked about the slave master. <laughs> mm-hmm. He didn't showed up, that little European curled and came through. And um, the way that my hair was before was like in a tapered, they call it TWA, a teeny weeny afro. It was like in a tapered uh, afro style. And um, so the back was a little bit shorter, but it's also very fine. And so she's doing this very special technique. <laughs> Um, and again, I want to talk a little bit about it because I know that there are a lot of women and men too who maybe would like to lock their hair, but they may be a little bit apprehensive because of stories they may have heard and things like that. And a large part of it is texture because really we keep talking about the slave master, but and I'm sure down the line that's exactly what it is, but really this is my mama's hair. My mom's hair is very fine, very curly, and I have um, my hair texture on the back is very much like that. And so my mother has wanted to lock for a very long time but has been told multiple times um, that she can't because of her texture or that it won't work or they won't stay or they'll be too heavy or a lot of different things. I keep telling her to come see you, Carrie. So this is me putting my mom on blast right now. Mm-hmm. I keep telling her to come see you. And I think I just figure when it's time, when she's ready, she will. When she's ready, she will. So I keep telling her to, to come see Dr. Carrie because clearly Dr. Carrie has the magic. So I'm going to talk a little bit about what she's doing because I see her doing all kind of stuff back here to this <laughs> <laughs> So ultimately, yes, um, coarser or more coiled hair types do lock a lot easier, a lot quicker. Um, As Joyce stated, at the nape of her neck, her hair is very fine. The curl pattern is a lot looser. It's more of a wave even. It's not even, it's not really fully going to a curl. Um, (laughs) So... Um, never really, you know, Luther's right, curl never right, really right. quite curl. Quite, quite curl, right. <laughs> so when you, when, you, when you have a curl pattern that way, it's not impossible. Again, it's the reason why I prefer this interlocking technique, with, which is technically crocheting. If you think about crocheting, um, if 
for those out there who crochet or knit, you know, it's kind of interweaving the hair. And so the reason why this benefits textures like this is that if your hair is not naturally coarse and or tightly coiled or curly, we can literally take even your loosely curled or wavy hair and we can crochet it or interweave it, interlock it, interlock the strands within one another to lock the hair in. I'm also using some thread. And what the thread does, because again, the ends of Joy's hair at the back, there's no curl. It helps to really seal that in because I could crochet all day long, but she can go home and it will be all out because again, there's no curl to really hold the lock in place. So the thread just pretty much secures the end. So for those out there who are listening and you're interested, you're curious about locking and you have a curl pattern or a hair type that's similar to what I'm describing and you have been told it's impossible or you can't do it, it is definitely possible. I will say that it may take a little bit longer for your hair type to really lock in because coarser or more coiled hair types do lock a lot faster. But it's not impossible. Your journey is just going to be different from someone who has a different hair type. Right. And so, I mean, I mean, and again, we talked about it earlier. Everybody's journey is different anyway. Right. So that's just that's just what it is. Um, it can definitely be done. And I've, I've said to my mom over and over, if white people can lock their hair, right, then I don't understand what you think, why you can't. Right. Um, but I also do get it. Um, why it would seem like it would be difficult because I do think it, it will it will take a while because mm-hmm. I think I guess the correct me if I'm wrong the coarser curlier hair will kind of like curl into itself almost mm-hmm. creating that locking kind of mechanism versus the finer straighter hair as it's growing out it's not necessarily curling into itself it just may be growing out and creating like this kind of um maybe not prickly is not the right word but some other kind of effect where the hair is going to grow out of the lock as opposed to in it to into itself to create the lock. Yeah, and I would say really, as you're stating, Joy, the curlier hair type, because it's coiled, it's curly, um, that type of hair texture, curl pattern, those who have curlier coil hair types, I mean, the curls are wrapping around themselves, and so the hair is going to mat quicker than strands that aren't, like, looping and wrapping around each other. So that's why these the curlier hair types, they lock a lot faster because they're already looping and tangling around one another. So really, those types of curls, they feel at home. They're like, hey. <laughs> hey, we come, up, we kicking it. Right. Oh, you come through. The curls going to come through. They all kicking it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to jump back again because, of course, you know, we're in conversation. So we're just jumping around. And so you mentioned earlier that um, when you were dealing with your chemist and you were creating your own product line, which we're going to have you talk about at the end, too, because I want to make sure we get that information out there. But when you were talking about creating your uh, your, product, your product line and you said the chemist was kind of telling you that um, your hair was going to be an issue and that the, a lot of, for a lot of people the assumption is that locks, they, they have a smell to them, or a lot of times people assume that if you have locks, you must be like a Rastafarian weed head, or there's all these things, and I remember Zendaya Coleman had the um, lock extensions on the red carpet, and there was Juliet Rantic, I believe, made a statement that they probably smell like patchouli, and like, you know, just all these kind of very stereotypical ideas about the person because they are wearing a locked style. Like, can you talk a little bit about the history of locks and maybe where some of those ideas may have come from? Yeah, definitely. Well, locks, you know, they date back to, like, the Aztecs. Right. This is, like, the historical style, um, especially amongst um, African communities. You know, hair really was symbolic of rank and class and even marital status at times. And so when we think about locks, we dated, or a lot of the history is connected to the Rastafarian religion. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, the Rastafarians, they believe in their hair. They They cite the the scripture in the Bible that's related to Samson and mm. how we know that Samson, he didn't cut his hair. His strength was in his, strength his hair. in his hair. Mm-hmm. And so what the Rastafarians believe is they refer to their hair as dread locks, as a symbolic or symbolism of their fear of God. Mm. And so because they, their hair was a symbol of their fear of God, they would dread their hair and they wouldn't cut their hair. Um, and so that became a representation of their religion, their lifestyle. And actually, Rastafarian people, you know, they're very peaceful people. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very healthy people as far as th- their lifestyles and how they eat and all of that. And so a lot of the stereotypes 
really kind of stemmed from I was saving Bob Marley, who was Rastafarian and became this representation to a lot of people of like all Rastas. Um, and the whole culture. The whole culture. Mm-hmm. Because as he became more popular um, as a musical icon, he did indulge in weed and, you know, all of that. All those all practices, of, all, right? All of the things and that people... people being ignorant of the true history and foundation of the Rastafarian religion, they just ascribed his personal practices and lifestyle choices to the whole religion. Mm-hmm. Which and is what so, we tend to do. Exactly. And so people who were ignorant of truly the roots of that religion and what it represented, what it stood for, and what that locked hair represented, which is really a fear of God, and I'm going to let my hair dread as my fear of God, and out of reverence to God, they just attached it to, oh, well, Rastafarians have locks and they smoke weed, and that's the Bob Marley lifestyle is the lifestyle of anyone who wears locks because he was definitely one of those individuals. People were locking their hair again for centuries, but because of his rise and his popularity and, and him being submerged into, you know, cross-culturally, people who had never seen locks before understood it. They're just like, oh, so if I see you with locks, then you're like Bob Marley, and Bob Marley smokes weed, and so you must smoke weed, mm-hmm. and you, you must be Rastafarian as well. But I remember <laughs> being young, and my mother had locks back in the early 90s, and people just assuming she was Rastafarian because her hair was locked. <laughs> so, like... Uh, I think that's where a lot of stereotypes came from. And as Joy, you stated, like, that's how stereotypes start. You know, Mm -hmm. you see one person or you see a small group of people and then all of a sudden, whatever they do, you attach it to that whole group of people and it's not really true. That becomes the definition of the the entire. Exactly. And so that's really just like the root of it. And ultimately, the history of Lux, it kind of shifts because even in the early 90s, um, it kind of became popular, I believe, like on the runway. You started seeing some white people in like punk styles and it kind of mm-hmm. became it, it became a part of our culture in a way where it was very um, like counterculture. And like popularized. Yes. And it wasn't necessarily tied to religion or history or social exactly. status or any of those things anymore. It was exactly. much more popularized. Exactly. Um, and then there, and then in that though, because then now, because it was represent, it represented a counterculture and then you have these white people who were matting and dreading their hair, not understanding the significance of it. And they weren't washing their hair Mm -hmm. and they were putting glue or whatever they could in their hair to, you know, make their hair lock and stick together. Mm, Again, it led to the stereotype that, oh, you don't wash your hair. Your hair is dirty. So that's y'all nasty asses. They don't got nothing. They don't got nothing to because do. Because the Rastas, they believe that you're supposed to bathe your locks in the ocean. Right. So we washing our locks. You see, we're trying to get that good sea water. Hello. Water. See, somebody, <laughs> somebody done told y'all wrong. Now y'all done tried to put that on us. See how y'all do? Make everything negative and bad about us, but it's cool when y'all do it. You nasty. <laughs> anyway. Um. So, and then also too, I just believe that outside of just the the history. And how we see locks, you know, in culture. Um, unfortunately, too, in I would say in in cities across America, a lot of African Americans who are homeless. Mm. Our hair again, our curlier coil textures, like our hair wants to lock yeah. naturally. So yeah. for people who can't afford to groom themselves, who don't have the mental capacity to want to even groom themselves, if they're out on the streets and homeless, their hair would lock naturally mm-hmm. and it would be it would become matted and unkempt and of course they're not cleaning their hair so then there became this other stereotype that because mm-hmm. you see a bunch of homeless individuals who are black and right. their hair is matted and clumped together and dirty and unkempt based on their particular lifestyle or their circumstances I should say right then Someone else who has locks or who's deciding to lock. I know I remember when I decided to lock my hair, I was in college and I was talking to some of my peers and they were like, don't lock your hair. Homeless people wear locks. You're like, because they think of it that it's going to look like that. Exactly. And I think that kind of goes back to what we we're talking about the earlier, the different types of locks, because as I was doing my research, a.k.a. stalking, 
Um, what I was learning is that there's actually people who do their locks like that on purpose, and yes. they call it, I guess, freeform locks, freeform locks. where they just yes. kind of let it yes. grow. Yes. I told you, I told you. <laughs> so they they allow their hair to kind of however it's going to be. Now, there's these people who are doing it like that on purpose are still under the way I understand it. They're still washing their hair, but they're not necessarily like how I'm getting mine interlocked, and she's like parting and sectioning, and it's very purposeful and intentional how she's doing it. They're more so like I'm gonna wash it and however it goes I may separate my hair just so there's not one big lump but I'm not really doing a whole lot yes exactly the the weekend locks are coming back as like a trend trend now yeah like a lot of men actually a friend of mine who had locks before and he cut his off and he's thinking about starting a second set when we talked about it I mentioned to him that I was going to start locking my hair he said to me if and when I do it again I'm probably going to do a more of a freeform style and so he's looking to do, you know, however kind of however his hair naturally parts itself and, you know, maybe doing whatever maintenance in between to keep whatever he washes it or whatever. I'm not really sure his approach, what he intends to do, but he did mention to me that if and when he starts his next set of locks, it, he's more than likely going to do the freeform method. So we have to also understand that there's there's history, there's culture, there's a lot tied into it. It's not just what we know in modern day because now, you know, natural hair is becoming a thing and we just kind of pick up the story from some, like, halfway point that really <laughs> leaves out a lot of the significance of what this actually means. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm grateful for you. So that's before we go. I want to make sure that you tell us a little bit more about... Let me just... Let me rewind. This is Dr. Carrie, and I already pumped her up because I'm going to do that because she's my homegirl, and she's fresh, and she's good at what she does. But this is Dr. Carrie who put y'all on to the goddess faux locks. <laughs> Let me be clear because I see a lot of people out here, and you know they say intimidation is the... F- not intimidation. Imitation. There it is. You know they say imitation is a form of flattery. Um... And I've seen a lot of people out here who have gone after the, the goddess for lock looks. And some of y'all, you know, you did, a, you did all right. But Dr. Carey is where it started. So if you've seen these goddess for locks, you've seen Megan Good, you've seen um, Eva the model, you've seen Tyra Banks, you've seen... Who else have you done with the goddess for locks? Um, we did Lisa Leslie. Lisa Leslie recently. Mm-hmm. So all these people out here, <laughs> that's out here that got, got just locked. getting them, I'm talking about getting it done, out here just looking fly. Because um, I almost did it, y'all. I almost <laughs> cheated. I really almost cheated. I was like, you know what? I want these locks, but I'm going to cheat, and I'm going to get these goddess locks, and I'm just going to start locking my hair from there. But I decided after my research and after seeing, you know, how much of it is much more of a personal transformation, much more than it is just a hairstyle, I decided that I wanted to go the full throttle and you know just lock my hair so anyway i just want to be clear so y'all know who she is she out here when you see brandy's hair when you see carrie hilson when you see a lot of these celebrities out here just know that's dr k on them things okay (laughs) and so um she also has in addition to just being a phenomenal stylist she also has a product line so i want her to talk a little bit about that so thank you joy joy um (laughs) Yeah, I have a product line. I launched it about a year ago now. Um, It's my first line of products. The name of my brand is Ann Carol, um, in honor of my mother, Carol Ann. (laughs) And um, the Ann Carol product line, I developed it, you know, being a trichologist, a specialist in hair and scalp disorders, and having the opportunity to work with a number of brands um, throughout my career. I really wanted to create a line of products from a professional perspective, and a trichology perspective that really established the foundation for healthy hair. And what I found in being able to consult with my clients who do have hair and or scalp issues are looking for solutions to dry hair, dry scalp, more moisture, increasing elasticity of the hair, all of those things that I really personally could not find a system that I really liked that was formulated that would really work for not just my clients but just across cultural lines. And so at that point I set out to develop this hair care line And my first line of product is called The Essential because for me, regardless of how you choose to style your hair, you need the essentials. And the essentials meaning you need to make sure your hair is cleansed, that it's moisturized, that it's conditioned, that you're lubricating it, and that you have something that's sealing in that moisture on a regular basis. And so my first line of products includes each of those elements to help you establish a foundation for healthy hair growth. Because before you can walk around with the fly curls, even if you're getting your hair flat ironed or straightened, like their hair has to be healthy or it's not going to look good. 
And so the beautiful thing about my products is not only are they paraben-free, sulfate-free, all those things that people are concerned about, they um, mix very, very well with your styling products. I know oftentimes when you're trying out new shampoos and conditioners, people are concerned because some products can leave a lot of residue or they don't blend well. Uh, my products are formulated to blend well with your styling products. But these products are specifically, again, formulated to establish that foundation for healthy hair so that before you style, you're going to make sure that scalp is on point, that pH of the scalp is balanced, them hair strands are nice and strong, and then your hair is going to be popping. Your hair is going to be popping. So now where can they find the Ancaro products? So you can definitely find Ann Carol. Um, right now we are online at AnnCarolBeauty.com. That's A-N-N-C-A-R-O-L Beauty.com. You can also find us on Instagram at Ann Carol Beauty as well as Facebook, Ann Carol Beauty. And we also have two retail locations right now in L.A. You can find our products in salon at my salon, Mahogany Hair Revolution. Um, and we also um, retail at His and Her Hair Goods. Um, if you go onto our website, AnnCarolBeauty.com, you can look at one of our other locations currently in Michigan. And if anyone out there is interested in retailing our products, if you're a, um, a healthcare or a beauty professional, you know, definitely please reach out. Um, we want to get these products into as many hands as possible because they're great products. And I don't just say that because I formulated them. <laughs> like, I'm not biased. Like, they are truly, truly amazing and I say that because as a hair care professional, I still use other products because as a professional, you understand and know that everyone's skin, um, everyone's hair, everyone's scalp is different. And so it's important to have a variety of products that you use so that you can, you know, use what's going to work best for your clients. But my products are definitely at the top. Well, boom, there it is. Boom, there so it is. get your Ann Carol on. I'm certainly going to be spritzing and spraying my new locks with my Ann Carol products for sure. <laughs> for sure. So now, let's, I want to also make sure that you let them know where they can find you and see some of your beautiful work to be inspired by, you know, just your creations and just everything that you do. So let's make sure you drop your personal social media stuff as well. Yes, of course. You can find me at Dr. Carrie Will, K-A-R-I-W-I-L-L -L, on Instagram. You can visit my website, drcarriewilliams.com. Dr. Carrie Williams on Twitter, Carrie Williams on Facebook. It's all my name, people. I'm very easy to find. Um, and I do actually have um, online educational resources for those who are interested in learning my goddess Folot method, how to create, manage, and also properly remove the hairstyle. Um, I also have educational resources on how to actually start and maintain and style locks using my crochet tool. And that tool is also available for sale online on my website. And I do have a trichology certification program that's specifically tailored towards licensed professionals. So if you are a hair care professional and you're interested in continuing education and being able to expand what you currently do so you can help more people, I do offer an online course. And the great thing is we are revamping the course with even more resources because the field is constantly growing and shifting. And I have to keep up with the industry and I want to make sure anyone who is seeking to learn from me also is well informed. And so we will be relaunching that program. I'm so excited this fall. Um, but you can find that information on my website as well. Um, but you can always email me at drcarriewilliams at gmail.com. Um, and I can answer your questions. She's legit. Listen, y'all think I'm playing. She is not. Carrie is in these streets. <laughs> in these streets. In these streets. Like, for real. And you are the what? President of? Well, I would, last year I was president of the um, Board of Barbing and Cosmetology. Um, unfortunately, I can't serve two turns back-to-back, -back, so I am currently vice president. I'm in my fourth year. I've been on the board. I was um, governor appointed by Governor Jerry Brown to the Board of Barbing and Cosmetology, and it's been a blessing to serve on the board for the last four years. I'm in my final year, but I might get reappointed, um, so we'll see. But um, I'm currently the vice president, so... Um, so yeah, I'm 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 in here. I'm in there. She, she Carrie, First black she's woman really president. in there. Like I, I'm, and I'm doing all this because I know that she's humble enough to be able to say these things without it going to her head, and she think like whatever. Because otherwise, I wouldn't be blowing her up like this. But I'm blowing her up because she's not gonna blow herself up. <laughs> but she needs to be blown, and y'all need to be known. Like she's <laughs> really out here. Do she's legit? She knows her stuff. She's great, and she's a just a sweetheart. So. 
you know, if you got to come in the salon and be here all day, which you're not, because she's going to get you in and out. You're not going to be waiting while she's doing 17 other heads, because <laughs> I know that's a thing, too, particularly in black salons. You're not going to do that. But some of our natural styles require love and care and time. Like, I've been sitting in this chair for a couple of hours getting my hair twisted. We've been having good conversation and all of that. But um, I'm saying all these things, and I'm pumping it up because... I want you to know that there are resources out here. She's right here in LA, right down the street from the Roscoe's. <laughs> so you can pick right you up. Cafe. Yeah, pick you up a waffle or something. Come on my down here cents. and get your Don't hair twisted. Like yeah, that, my uh, two cents. Come on, man. Have you had the macaroni and cheese egg rolls? No. Ma'am, get your life. <laughs> they are so good. Jamming. Okay, so pump. Shout out to my two cents since we on Pico. We're right. going to just shout out all the black-owned businesses, these ladies out here doing things. Right. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much, Carrie, for joining me as always, guys. Yes, for sure. We, we will be back. Carrie and I will be back for some more girl talk. This was like hair talk, but we're going to do girl talk. We be talking. Or we be talking. We, we be talking. <laughs> so we'll be back. Carrie will be back on God willing. I love her so much. Thank you, guys for toning in make sure that you also follow me uh joy hearts j-o-i-h-e-a-r-t-s that is on twitter instagram periscope facebook all the above you can find me there and um until next time peace out <laughs>